What is up, Daddy Gang? It is your founding father, Alex Cooper, with Call Her Daddy. Christine Quinn, welcome to Call Her Daddy. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. My father, my heavenly father. It's so crazy to see you in person because we always see you on TV. And so I feel like I'm getting the exclusive look. She looks exactly the same, even better. The glasses, the outfit, the whole vibe. How did you pick this for today? Well, I want it to be very like Matrix meets Balenciaga meets Hooker vibes. That's what I was going for. Love. You in did In the best it. way possible. It looks amazing. Thank you. So we were just talking before we started. Christine, you had DM'd me like years ago. Yeah. It was like 2019, 2020. I've been following you for years. You were the only woman that I saw at the time that was going out there saying stuff that maybe wasn't popular but was right and what was true you know and you that for me is what resonated like you resonated with me I was like this woman has power she doesn't care what anyone else thinks she will speak her mind and I felt like you and I had an instant connection even though I didn't know you and I was like low-key like stalking you (laughs) (laughs) like I was stalking you so hard no I I relate to that and thank you for that because I remember when I first saw you on Selling Sunset which we'll get into there are people that can absolutely be like taken aback by your character because you are a very powerful person and or character which we'll get into yes but I do respect that you always speak your mind and I think that as women there's something about us speaking our mind that can be very off-putting to some people absolutely because you're not used to a woman opening your mouth and being allowed and saying what she's thinking and not holding back so I mean Think about when women were able to vote. You know, that wasn't too long ago. Think about everything that's going on with the abortion. I mean, it's just, it's sick. It's like, we as women have to do everything we can. And I'm like, I'm not tiptoeing anymore. I'm, I'm yeah. shouting from the rooftops and I'm shattering glass ceilings as well as you are. This episode is presented by Sparkling Ice. Turn up summer with Sparkling Ice. They have over 17 anything but subtle flavors, all made with zero sugar and packed with vitamins and antioxidants. Iced tea and lemonade, strawberry watermelon, tropical punch, peach nectarine. Yum. Crank up the flavor. Sparkling Ice. Anything but subtle. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Daddy Gang. I get that there are some things you don't want to share, but bottling everything up inside can truly have some awful consequences. I remember growing up, I guess, honestly, the the truth is I was getting bullied and I was like so embarrassed to tell my family that because at home I was fine, but at school it was tough for me. And I just remember feeling so awful about myself and I kept it to myself and I dealt with it by myself. And it literally just caused truly maybe like a decade of trauma. And later in life, now that I've processed it, I'm like, damn, I would have been so much better off if I had just talked to someone about it. And it didn't even have to be my parents. Talking helps a lot. And if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. I have had such an incredible relationship and experience with therapy. I was so ready to get better and to better myself and understand myself more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. 
It's easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists whenever you need to for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash daddy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash daddy. This episode is brought to you by Saks.com. Do you ever find yourself looking at your full wardrobe, but still feeling like you got nothing to wear. Well, gather around, daddy gang, sax.com. You're going to find instant inspiration for that date night, for that impromptu vacation, okay? Maybe you need a new dress because one of your friends is getting married soon, okay? So if you're looking for a new style or want to build a better relationship with your closet, then head to sax.com to shop for everything on your agenda. Congratulations on your book, How to Be a Boss Bitch. Thank you. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything else from you. That is the fucking title, of course, of Christine Quinn's book. How did you decide to write the book? I decided to write the book because after season one, I was just being myself. I was being my glamorous, fun self. I was building a character. I had so much fun with my fashion, with my attitude. And after Selling Sunset came out, I received a flood of hate, a hurricane that was pouring in. People were saying like, you're such a horrible person, go die. I received so many like, (laughs) so many threats against my own life because I'm like, people think this is real. Reality is just an illusion. And that was a thing that was so hard for me to comprehend because I went into the show, I'm a character. Yes, I'm myself, I'm outspoken, I say what I want, but at the end of the day, it's a show. We all walk in, Like, we're all mic'd up. We know what we're doing, you know? Locations have been permitted for two and a half weeks prior. It's a show. Right. It's a show. People need to realize that. So in addition to the flood of messages that I was receiving that were extremely disturbing, a flood of messages came in from people that understood me, people that were on my side, people that saw a part of their selves in me and resonated with that. And the number one message I received was, how can I be confident? How can I talk back to my boss? How can I set boundaries? How can I say no when we live in a world of constant yes, 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 saying yes to people? People are inclined to be people pleasers. And until you learn to set those boundaries, the most powerful word in the vocabulary of the English language is no. It's the most powerful word. And once people recognize that, that's when you really step into your true power. Because you can say yes to stuff every single day, but you have to set boundaries and realize what's right for you. And no was the most powerful tool I learned along the way. And I wanted to share advice with people in the world on how to be unapologetically the best version of themselves to live the life they deserve. I remember watching the show and obviously everyone you're like where do they come from why are they the way that they are Mm -hmm. and even everything you just said like there's going to be a backstory there, of course, right? Of course. And so, first of all, I have to also just say congratulations on motherhood. Like we Thank can't even you. begin without saying congratulations. He's going to be one. Yeah. Like in just a few days. How has motherhood been? Mother has been great, but you know, uh, my birth was really traumatic. I had an emergency C-section. My water broke. I was rushed to the hospital. It was a horrible situation. They, the doctors came to my husband and said, you need to choose one right now because we're not sure if we can, we can save both. 
And so to which he said, you need to you need to save both, make this happen. So the transition has been great and I love being a mother, but it made me realize the things that are important in life. And we are only given, we only have time in the world and that time is so valuable. That time is so valuable. That's why it's important to, you know, disassociate yourself with situations where you don't feel right, where, where you don't feel like, you know, I don't need to do this. And then a week later, you know, I was pressured into film and I was thrown into production. So then we go into uh, season four, season finale, where I was wearing the gold dress. Mm-hmm. And that was a week after I had a baby and I had postpartum depression and they're just piling on, piling on, piling on. And I thought for one second, I said, I said, literally, can you guys just give me a break after everything I went through? And they showed no sympathy at all. I remember there were rumors that you faked your pregnancy. Yeah, and, yeah. Why? Why Why did people think it was a hoax? People thought it was a hoax because of the editing of the show. What happened was I filmed a scene with Davina okay. where her and I were doing yoga. I was actually pregnant in that scene. Mm-hmm. And they choose when they put footage according to their narrative in the show, in co- according to Storyland and Story World. Right. So Davina and I, that was actually the first thing we shot was me pregnant doing yoga, doing headstands. So the editors cropped me from here up. And then when I was doing yoga inversions, they only showed me from behind. So in Storyland, when you're watching the show, it looks like I had an emergency C-section. And then the next episode, I'm upside down on my head doing yoga. So that's what sparked all of that. And people said, oh my gosh, if you just had an emergency C-section, like you wouldn't be able to do yoga. I'm like, now that you're a mother, do you feel like you have a greater appreciation for your own parents? Yeah, absolutely. My, my, my childhood growing up was very sheltered. Um, you know, I, I came from Texas and it was just, it's a different world out there. And my parents were trying to protect me. And, um, you know, there is bad people out in there in the world. Like I get that, you know, say so they, they were doing their best job to protect me, but it felt suffocating to me to which I left when I was 17 years old, when my parents went to Costco, because it's the only time I knew that they were going to be gone from the house for two hours, I packed up and left. How did growing up in that conservative household affect your childhood? I would say, well, first of all, you know, I I wasn't allowed to eat fast food. I wasn't allowed to have soda, you know, which is why like now all I drink is like Red, Red Bull, Bull, Dr. Pepper's, soda, right. like hamburgers, cheeseburgers, because I didn't have that food growing up. But um, my parents and I have a great relationship and understanding now. They just came from a place of wanting to protect me and yeah. wanting to make sure that, you know, I was okay. So looking back, you know, maybe it was for the best, but I had to leave when I had to leave. You were very open in your book about your mom's health struggles. Yeah. How did that affect you growing up? My mom's been sick my whole life. And um, I had to drop out of school because of that. So I could spend more time with her because we weren't sure, you know, what her health situation was and how long she was going to make it. She had a pulmonary embolism at one point. So we were in the hospital saying goodbye to her. I didn't believe it. I didn't think it was real. I was, you know, probably like 15 at the time. I didn't understand they pulled me out of school 
and uh, my mom tried to homeschool me, but she couldn't, to which they then enrolled me in an alternative school. It initially was a curse to me because I was like, why am I being punished to be in this alternative school? But it was a blessing in disguise. I was amongst kids that in society terms were outcasts, Mm -hmm. you know? These were women who were sex trafficked, who would get picked up by their pimps at 15, 16 years old. They were pregnant, so regular schools in Texas wouldn't allow them to be at school. I had 16-year-old friends of mine that were running drug rings, but you know what? That taught me street smarts and how the world really works, and it was the most eye-opening experience to me. But it's something that shaped me because now I have the hustle, I have the street smarts, I have everything that I learned that I never knew even existed. So I was able to grow up with a better understanding of how the world worked from being so sheltered. You wrote in your book that you never graduated high school. Yes. And you completed your education in eighth grade. Yes. You also write about your interview with Vogue. That's when you kind of announced that um, information about not graduating high school. And you broke down crying in that interview. What were you feeling at that moment during that interview? At that moment during the interview, I was overseas Mm -hmm. and I was doing press for um, the new season of Selling Sunset and fashion. I was just so grateful to be on with Vogue, but my whole being is being genuine and authentic. And she was listing off my accolades and, you know, how much of an incredible businesswoman I am and how much I've accomplished and achieved. And I'd been living this lie. I felt like I've just been living this lie because I don't even have a diploma. Like, I don't have a GED. And the emotions just started flooding out of me. And I'm thinking, like, holy shit, even the most waterproof mascara in the world cannot fix this situation right now, which is about to go down. And I started crying and I said, I want to tell you something that I've never told anyone in the world. Only my husband and my family know this. And I said, I don't even have a GED. I don't have a high school diploma. I have an eighth grade education. I was pulled from school. And after I got off the call, I was like, oh my God, what did I just do? What did I just do? And then I got a flood of messages from people that said, I've always been so embarrassed about my education. I never wanted to admit it. I've lied on my resume for years. It's like a catch-22. It's like you have to have experience to get a job. But how can you get experience if they won't give you the experience? You know what I'm saying? Right, yes, So it's just, it's really difficult. And so I opened it up to a whole flood of people that said, if you can do this, I can do this. That's really cool too because I think our world is definitely shifting a bit. Like I know when I, my parents were like, you have to go to college. Like, oh my God, you won't be able to get a job. I definitely feel like there's been a shift and I can imagine that people were so grateful that you were vulnerable because you are a successful woman and you've made such a career for yourself. Have you now come to terms with your lack of education? 100%. I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. I feel like if I would have gone to college, I would have maybe found a marketing path, a, you know, another career path, and I wouldn't have the life that I have today. And it's people don't understand 
it's it's hard when you're going through it, but everything happens for a reason. So true. So, so true. that had to happen to me in yeah. order for me to be where I am today. So you moved out of your parents' house at 17, you said? Yes. When they were at Costco? Yes, when they were at Costco because I was never allowed to leave my house. I was never allowed to go to the movies. I was never allowed to hang out with friends. I was like... Rapunzel. Did you resent them for that at the time? It was yeah. I I did. I did. I did. And then it was hard for me to understand until I got older. And then I realized it came from a place of love. Yeah. You move out of your parents' house in Dallas. You got yourself an apartment eventually. A job. You were bartending. You were saving up money. And eventually, you got a sugar daddy. Yes, I did. How did dating this older rich man change how you felt about yourself? It, it opened me up to a world that I knew existed. You know, I grew up going into CVS and shoplifting eyeliner and looking at these beautiful women on beautiful magazines. And I said, oh my gosh, like how do I get on these magazines? This is the most glamorous life. I knew nothing about it. Like I didn't even know what Roberto Cavalli was, let alone how to spell Roberto, okay? Like that. this is the type of situation I but was most dealing. people don't, Christine, so don't feel bad. I was like, couture, 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 Like I had no clue, right? Right, right. So I was introduced to this man and he came across my bar and he was, you know, a very, very, very attractive man. He was, I was 21, I believe, and he was 40. And um, beautiful blonde hair, beautiful blue eyes, and he was just so enchanting. But he was, um, in the best way possible, uh, one of the best things that happened to me because it opened my eyes to this world which I had been manifesting for so long. I'd been clipping out articles and pictures and travel and and luxury and clothes and fashion and he opened my eyes to all of that can you describe the arrangement between the two of you yeah absolutely so him and i um lived together and i was working as a bartender and he told me basically that I needed to quit my job so we could travel full time. I needed to quit my job so we could travel. And I wasn't comfortable doing that because that was my stream of income. And sure, he was buying me, you know, all these fabulous bags and shoes and spending, you know, half a million dollars here, half a million dollars there, going on the Gulf Stream, you know, like in a drop of a hat. But I had no money. I had no financial freedom. And that's when I realized, like, oh my gosh, I could be with the most perfect person in the whole entire world, but my love language is freedom because the way I was raised. Was this a transactional agreement or was there any type of like romance involved? No, not at Oh, oh no, no. Him and I were like an actual couple. Okay. I loved him. I really, really, really did. I had told him since I quit my job, I said, can you help me out? Like yeah. I, you know, like I need to be able to go to Starbucks. And it was a really controlling relationship. He said, you want to go to Starbucks? I'll take you. I never had a credit card. He never gave me money. Like it was, it was really controlling to which I said, oh my gosh, I can't do this. Like I'm living in a beautiful palace, like limestone imported from France, this gorgeous palace. And like, I have everything I want, but I don't have the ability to have my own credit card to go to Starbucks by myself. And even when I said I want a cappuccino, he would come with me and put it on his card. So it was another form of control, Mm. uh, which I recognized. And um, 
it, it was really hard for me. How did the relationship end? So I would have been set up for life, but I didn't want that. I had bigger goals and aspirations. So I basically said, listen, like, thank you for everything you've done for me, but I have to pursue my my dreams and we're not on the same page. I'm not going to be a housewife. I'm not going to sit into a house and just like, that's not, that's not for me. And that's when I decided to leave. And he was really helpful. I had no money at the time. So he shipped my car out to Los Angeles. So I had, you know, a 2002, like Ford Focus back then. It hardly worked. It had like 169,000 miles on it. I love knowing you drove that car because I feel like everything about you is expensive and it like makes you more of like a human to be like, guys, Christine drove a Ford Focus. Oh, like used, like a million (laughs) hundred miles on it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, this is like the last thing about the sugar daddy. I just, because I know so many young women are listening. Would you recommend this kind of relationship to someone who thinks they might want a sugar daddy? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. I think it's just all about setting boundaries and terms. You have to value yourself and you have to understand. Like, whatever that arrangement may be, absolutely. Absolutely. I was just not savvy enough to realize the power that I had. Had I been able to ask for an allowance, had I been able to say, listen, you want to, you want me to quit my job? Great. Here's my bills. Pay me 10 grand. Great. Yeah. 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 I didn't have the power back then. I didn't realize it, you know, over the years I recognized that, but I might have been in a different situation, but at the end of the day, I still knew that he wanted to me to be a housewife. And I want people to know there is no shame in the sugar daddy game. And I am tired of shaming people for that. I'm absolutely sick and tired of it. There's nothing wrong with it. Two consensual parties, they can do whatever they want. We're adults. We're adults. And so honestly, that just sickens me. It just sickens me. It annoys me too because I'm like, why don't we focus on the guy yeah. as opposed to the girl that's like working the yeah, system? It's of like, course. same thing with OnlyFans. Whenever I'm like, wait, why are people like, wow, women are really just like degrading themselves. And like men are so horny and Seriously. cannot control themselves. I'm going to make 50K a month. I would too, Thank shit. you. I would too. Men, you are the ones that are just giving up. Fine. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And I have so many people that come to me that are, that are close friends of mine. And they're like, I want to do this OnlyFans thing. You know, I want to do seeking arrangement. Like, like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, do it. Yeah. Do it. I think the only thing is like, be afraid, be careful and be safe. And there are certain things that I know that can get like, telling a friend where you're going meeting in public for the first time like making sure when we're saying yes do it I know that you're insinuating it's like you are being so careful you people know where you are give your friend your tracking oh only meet in person for the first time because there's things that I mean I could do a whole episode on how to be careful with that shit but you're just saying in general that kind of dynamic should not be shamed 100% meet someone meet someone for coffee get to know them like Mm -hmm. apps like the app you have to be safe especially as women you just never know You never know. Okay. You are the star of a reality TV show. And to set the scene for people, I know there may be some people that haven't fully watched who don't know what Selling Sunset is. It's a reality show created by the same people who created The Hills. Yes. And it follows a group of women selling real estate in Los Angeles, California. Were you a fan of reality TV before you start? Okay. My whole entire life. Okay. Okay, my whole that's entire what I was life. I I grew up watching, you know, the Real World, the Kardashians, so, yes, um, yes, you know, VH1, MTV, mm-hmm. you know. 
so were you excited to do this show? Oh, hundred percent. Okay, I was, so you were nervous. I was the only person that was on board to do the show. I remember really? everyone was like, we shouldn't do this. It's going to tarnish our reputation. So for me in acting, I, I loved acting, but I always manifested and always said, all I want to do is just be myself and be on television. That's all I ever wanted. Right. So the stars aligned. The stars aligned. When filming did you have a strategy around the persona that you wanted to create? Absolutely, absolutely. Because it's all about being remembered, giving the audience a feeling, whether that Mm. is a feeling of power, whether that is a feeling of intrigue, whether that is a feeling of um, even, you know, hate towards me. I don't care. I will be remembered. And that's my goal the entire time. For my fashion, my lines, everything is completely intentional. Like this is a show... I'm going to put on a show. Uh, You absolutely put on a show and you absolutely are remembered. You have, what color is your Lamborghini? Yellow. Yellow. Just like your finger. It's like, everyone knows when Christine arrives. And it's like, I I respect you for it because you get a lot of airtime. And it's like, no shit. Because you're entertaining and you're creating a good vibe for a reality show. How soon into filming? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think the producers decided that you would be cast as the show's villain? Episode one. <sighs> no, from from casting. Literally from casting. But it came from, you know, we interviewed for the show before. Okay. So I was already legitimately working at the brokerage for probably, don't quote me, like four years at this point. So um, I was still doing acting and modeling on the side. And that's when we got approached. Every year we do a marketing campaign at the cult, I mean the Oppenheim group. Um, and we have this big billboard on sunset every year. And so, you know, you, you see these uh, beautiful statuesque women and then like, you know, these small boy men, like no one knows what the hell's going on. And it's like, is this the escort agency? Like, is this like, what is this, you know? So Adam DeVello, who was driving um, down sunset, saw the billboard and contacted the agency and said, I want, I want to do a show about you guys to which everyone was like no absolutely not we're not doing this but I was like guys we have to be on board we have to do this so I was the one from day one that was like rallying the troops I was like come on let's do this it's gonna be great for the broke I was like it's gonna be great for the brokerage my career it's gonna yeah. <laughs> and my pleasure and my fun and I want to put on my outfit who's gonna film me let's go exactly. I've been waiting for this moment exactly okay that makes so much sense was there ever a conversation because you're like okay episode one they decided mm-hmm. was there ever a conversation where they told you you would become the bad guy absolutely absolutely so organically working at the office that was our office that was our tight-knit girls we did work in the office every day together we loved each other mm-hmm. you know we had so much fun and it was a great relationship then cameras got involved we were approached that it was going to be this women empowerment women in business working together in real estate and then it wasn't that way at all this episode is brought to you by zip recruiter daddy gang what are your plans for the summer I want to probably sign up for a couple excursions with mats, really put myself out there, do something I don't usually do. But when you want something, you got to just go for it. And that applies when you're hiring for your business. ZipRecruiter can help you snag the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And luckily, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash daddy. 
Got your eye on a rock star candidate. ZipRecruiter's invite to apply feature lets you cut the line. Once you review ZipRecruiter's list of most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply to encourage them to apply sooner. So amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter, Daddy Gang, and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash daddy to try it for free right now. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash daddy. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. Something that really grinds my gears is I somehow will find myself just subscribing to things, right? And then all of a sudden I see I have been paying the subscription service and I don't even use it because I just forgot to cancel it. Rocket Money can help you cancel a subscription that would otherwise be more time consuming and also you probably forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place. And if I see anything I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with a few taps. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash daddy. That's rocketmoney.com slash daddy. Rocketmoney.com slash daddy. Two years ago, I became pregnant with a baby I desperately wanted. During a routine ultrasound, I learned that the fetus would have a fatal condition and never survive. I had to flee my own state to receive treatment. I think Donald Trump bears an incredible amount of responsibility for these restrictive laws. We need leaders that will protect our rights, and that's Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. We were approached that it was going to be this women empowerment, women in business, working together in real estate, and then it wasn't that way at all. It just, it all spiraled because people, like, I'm like, I film a scene and I check out, bon voyage. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I'm able to disassociate Mm -hmm. with, like, filming a scene, being a character, and then leaving the room. There, you know, there's definitely two sides of Christine for sure. There's the one you see on TV and there's the one right now. Yeah. So um, I think the girls along the way had a really hard time because they started thinking it was real. And that's the most dangerous thing. Like, because I'm asking you, when did they ever acknowledge to you like, hey, you are going to kind of be the villain? 100%. 100%. Okay, so there was a conversation. Yes, there was a conversation and they said, um, you know, but you play it up so well, have fun with it, have fun with it. And okay. I'm thinking in the meantime, like, okay, like, you know, I, I can have fun with this, sure. However, you know, like, let's be true to what actually happened. Let's not, okay. you know, manipulate and, and fake storylines. Okay, got it. To which is where it really started getting blurry down the, down the road. You mentioned that the Christine on the show is very different than the one I'm sitting in front of. It's a fun, more like lighthearted version of yourself coming out yeah, right now as and, you're speaking. And that's the thing is like, I'm being myself. I'm being myself. I, I have fun with it. You know, I say the things that I normally would in real life. You know, I am funny and silly and goofy, but you only see a small percentage of that because villains can't be relatable. 
Right. So that's where a lot of me is on the editing room floor. You have to understand when we do scenes, like a lunch scene, even with, you know, whoever it may be on the show, when we're doing a lunch scene, that's captured over three hours. You know, we're sitting there for three hours and then it's cut down to 38 seconds sometimes. So it's like you're not seeing the full context and they intentionally, you know, edit out, you know, things that I say that may have you know, supported my argument and a lot of uh, facts that they don't want to mm-hmm. provide because then that shows me as a vulnerable human, which they don't want to do. Right. You need to be like ice queen. Yeah. What is the biggest difference between the Christine Quinn we know on screen versus who you are off camera? I think the biggest difference is I'm, I'm, I'm vulnerable. I'm a human. I have feelings, but I'm also really generous. I'm also like really generous with people and I'm loving and I have so much love um people that started fan pages like of me were like I text them every single day of my life like all of my fans have become my best friends they have my personal cell phone number if they have any problems in their relationships like I'm I always said like I would be the greatest lawyer in the whole entire world or the greatest therapist because I feel like I have such good advice, but I like to use my platform to help people and give them advice, which is exactly why I wanted to write this book. Yeah, that's interesting because we don't see you giving advice at all on the show and we don't see that side of you, which again, I know this is a show, like this is a character. How does your role on the show affect who you really are my role on the show affects who I really am because people take it seriously Mm -hmm. people take it seriously and um you know I went into it thinking like okay people see past this like people are smart but some people don't some people take it legit like some people think it's serious and you know it's it's all fun and games I'm I'm all down to play ball in fake storyline world and make myself look like a fool and I don't have the keys to my own listings when permits were pulled two weeks prior everyone's mic'd up the doctor's mic'd up Heather's mic'd up you know it's just like you have to understand the stuff that goes into it and I, I I've fallen on my sword so many times but through the process of of the show and the seasons over the years, it was just like catching a falling knife to try to keep up because no matter what I did, so when we were filming season five, um, my husband and I have been working on a company for a year and a half now called Real Open. And so I told um, production going into it, I said, listen, I'm I'm leaving the Oppenheim group. You guys know that. So let's get creative with the storylines and let me talk about my own brokerage to which they completely edit it out because that's not a convenient storyline. That's not fun. No. So you see the lead up in season five where, you know, everyone's like, Christine needs to leave the office. She needs to leave the office. And Jason's like, she hasn't done anything wrong. She hasn't done anything wrong. Insert, you know, insert fake bribery storyline. Aha, we can finally get rid of her, you know, leaving on that note, which really irritated me. And then the scene of me in the office supposed to show up, that didn't happen. I had no idea that was going on until people sent me clips and I was horrified everything on TikTok that's trending of like the fake phone calls that like you see Jason's screen is like on his camera roll and he's like faking a phone call and so and to me like I'm not surprised like I I acknowledge that I'm watching reality scripted television yeah. basically like it's yeah. reality but it's not at all yeah. at the same time yeah so that is very interesting one of your castmates from Selling Sunset this season called you a narcissist and said you are one of the most evil human beings on the planet 
harsh. Yeah. Do you believe this person really thinks that about you or is she just pissed you get more airtime? I don't think she actually believes that. I I really give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Okay. I really don't think she believes that. Um, but I think it's a convenient storyline and it's yeah. you know what they had to roll with. I mean, this entire season was about you. Yeah. Even when I'm not in the room, because no, yeah, like I was kind of annoyed because, like, the, as a viewer, I was getting annoyed. I'm like, but she didn't I'm do anything annoyed. this season, I and, and I am a do, narcissist. Yeah. I'm obsessed no. with myself. Don't get me wrong, of course, <laughs> but it's to the point where it's like I'm not even in the room, and they're talking about me. Yeah. Do you think you've ever taken the role of the villain too far? No. No. No, I never think I've taken it too far. I just think that people have to understand the context of the scenes that happen Mm -hmm. and um, what really goes on and how much, you know, they take out. Did you ever watch The Hills? Of course I did. Okay, have you seen Spencer Pratt's like TikTok lately? Of course I have. It is like giving me serotonin. Like I am obsessed with his TikToks right now because he's like, guys, do you remember when I was the most hated guy in the world basically with Heidi? Let me expose every single episode of how they cut it. They're like, do you, he's like, do you hear me in the club? Did you ever see my face in the club that night? No, because they pulled that audio from a different club night and pretended I was cheating on Heidi. It's like, it's even very... birthday parties they staged birthday parties yes, yes. and and made it look like it was other events and yeah so it's like absolutely the persona you're putting on on the show I think is fucking brilliant because you're the memorable one you're coming off at times like wild and bitchy and aggressive we're all fucking talking about you I can't sometimes remember the other girl's names I don't even know who they are <laughs> I don't even know their names either <laughs> um okay what does your husband think about the character you play he loves it. He really does because he knows who I am at the end of the day. And he knows everything that I do is very intentional. Mm-hmm. Very intentional. It's like I go to work. So I, I never, ever, ever wear makeup. Ever. Unless I'm filming. How fucking often do you guys have to get in these crazy outfits, like incredible outfits, but like crazy intense, yeah. over the top mm-hmm. outfits and makeup and glam and all the things? Yeah. So we film when we're filming the show, probably five to seven days a week. Okay. Um, sometimes we film two to three scenes a day. Um, so it's really intensive. You know, I'll wake up at 5 a.m., get glam ready. I have to have three outfits in my car to change, to go to different scenes, change my hair. Sometimes for continuity purposes, I'll have to put my hair back in a pony or back down. So people don't realize how hard it is to shoot a show because we we shot season five in one month, season four in one month. So Damn. we shoot them back to back. So it's like a very, very, very quick turnaround. Has there been an instance where you did something to one of your castmates like you now consider like, okay, I fucked up. I shouldn't have done that. That was like a little unwarranted. No. No, no, I never feel that way I, because I that would be against everything. No, I, I say everything what I mean. It yeah. may hurt people's feelings in the process, but it's my truth. And I'm always going to speak my truth and how I feel. Are you in control of your character's narrative or is there a writer's room like popping off with villain ideas for Christine this season? There is from what I've been told, I've been into the offices, there are six full time storyboarders. To what they do is they write the Mm storylines and depending on how things change in real world in our lives, they can kind of rotate the storylines. But we have six full-time storyboarders who create narratives. Who gets paid most on the show? Me. Really? There's a tier. Can you tell us the tier? Yeah, there's three tiers. Okay, tell us the tiers. I'm going to get sued after this. I don't care. Come after me. You can't afford my lawyers. Okay, tiers. (laughs) There's three different tiers. Okay. I get paid the most. 
wow. amongst Jason as well. Okay, that makes sense. Because I was going to say, does the villain get like a pot stirring bonus? Apparently, yes. Well, I, I mean, but that wasn't the decision of production or anything like that. That was me um, with my attorney, my entertainment attorney, you know, basically saying this is my value. And I, I think it's all about recognizing your worth. Yeah. I mean, I think that's also cool because you had said at the beginning of this interview, you're like, I want to help people when they're like, how do I go in and talk to my yeah. boss? I mean, you fucking walked on the show and you're like advocating for yourself and you're getting paid the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Seems like you're doing pretty well. I mean, everyone has to realize their worth. Yeah. And I think what's ev- when everyone is on the same page. So when we were filming the show, um, we were all trying to band together. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, guys, if we're going to do this and we're all going to make the same amount of money, we all have to band together. So when we went into the show, we all have separate lawyers. Uh-huh. Um, the majority of the cast is represented by one lawyer, but obviously I had to find my own entertainment attorney and do my own thing. Smart. So, um, you know, they told us that there's there's tears. And I was the one who came to the whole entire cast and said, listen, if we need to get paid what I believe we all deserve as a whole, because we are all equals, we need to band together and be on the same page. But it didn't work. And some people were eager to sign their contracts right away, which immediately tiered them in a different group. So I was the last one actually to sign my contract. So um, that was negotiated. And Do you renegotiate every season? Um, we try to. For the first few seasons, we were, I think the first two seasons, we were stuck in a bracket, mm-hmm. um, which the episodic rate didn't even cover glam for a day. Yeah. So um, people think, oh my gosh, they must be making so much money from the show. No. But the, the money comes from the production company. They, they allocate the budget to us. Like I said to you at the beginning of this episode, you are the most talked about, the most memorable, the wildest outfits. I mean, it's you're doing exactly what reality television calls for. Yeah. And so when people, I know people are going to be like, oh my God, because people, I was... um on a live show and I was like oh maybe I'll have Christine Quinn on and so many people were like fuck yes and other people were like fuck that bitch and I'm like if you can be that polarizing yeah. you're doing something right exactly like, and 1, that was 000%. my main goal that was my main goal do you feel the producers are constantly pushing there to be tension and drama between you and absolutely, the girls absolutely absolutely what they do is they take the girls um first of all they separate us we come to a scene um and they want everything to be i can't even say the word without laughing organic um okay he's like tweaking they want everything to be organic that's cute um okay like this is a so scripted show basically they literally hold us away from each other like chelsea and i are best friends vanessa and i are best friends so we show up to set and i'm so excited I'm like oh my god chelsea right. girl like vanessa i love you and they're like no 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 hold us they separate us in different rooms and then um they wait until we're ready to film and they send us in but in the meantime they'll have someone say oh my gosh you know christine just said this about you in a previous scene and come to me and said Chelsea said this about you in a previous scene so they set up these scenarios which um you know instigate our emotions intentionally but I've been doing the show for for years I'm on five seasons so I know how it works I don't take anything they say to heart totally but new girls coming in do and so I say you know hey if you have any problems after the scene call me I'll clarify anything with you but they do everything they can to amp the girls up to rile them up it is um 
a male-dominated industry in the production field to which they manipulate women. They harass them. They um, um, just mentally torture and intimidate them. Have you ever rejected any scripted moments or scenes for yes, the show? Absolutely. Can you tell us? Absolutely. Um, there's been times where we have been um, at a dinner, mm-hmm. at um, a lunch, where, you know, like I said, we film for three hours. So they'll say, you know, if you say this word, if you say this sentence, we'll let you leave. And so after three hours, we're just like, oh my God, it comes to a point where it's like, fine, I'll say that. I don't care, you right. know? So it's the intimidation tactics. It's, it's, but I, I wanna, I wanna clarify here. It's Adam DeVello. Adam DeVello is the one who owns the production company, which is the same one who did The Hills and made Heidi and Spencer look like they were crazy. You know, it's all dependent on who's producing the show. Yeah. And we have to look at what Adam DeVello has done as a whole, as a human being, mm-hmm. um, as, you know, the person that he is. I mean, yeah. talk about The Hills. You know, I... I <sighs> There's been complaints filed against him, mm-hmm. multiple complaints, multiple complaints. Um, and it's it's been sick. He actually told me to go fall down the stairs and kill myself at one point. Why did he say that? In what context? Like- In the context of me being too honest. That wasn't the first complaint I filed against him. There was another complaint to where he, to this day, cannot actually step foot on set with any of the women in the office because of misconduct it was extremely terrifying when you know i i mean he's screaming in my face um and it was it was horrifying when you say he's screaming at you for being too honest like what what does that mean basically i did an interview and you know i said like no here's what really happened to which he was threatening me and yelling at me and um you know there was other people around there were witnesses to this he basically berated me for being too honest and i said this is this is my real life and this didn't happen and you know this to which then he was screaming and yelling at me and he's like he said quote go fall down the stairs and kill yourself in addition to that there was um i don't want to get too much into it but there was um inappropriate sexual misconduct and heidi filed a claim as well against him and people like this stuff does go on this stuff does go on and ever since then he's never been he's never been allowed to step foot with any of the women on set because of it and he has shown retaliatory behavior towards me ever since but even before that you know he he had his cast he knew who his villain was gonna be and it's sad because he's rewarded by like he knows how to, he knows the format of how to make a good reality yeah. television show, which is to basically take anything someone says and find a way to spin it to make it as drama filled as possible. And it's sick because we all tune in because it's so drama filled. And yet hearing you talk about this, no one watching Selling Sunset knows this was going on. Can I show you something? Yeah, please. OK, so press screeners get sent all around town 
usually two to three weeks prior before the show is launched. Show that press outlets can have um, articles ready to go about the show. They're privy to the information and the storylines. So this was sent my way from a member of the press. Now you're going to see clips and the magic that they can do. Screen is so fingerprinty. <laughs> All right. Loves. Okay. So this was originally what was in the show. You said comments about Michelle sleeping with Jason when she was still married, and you know that's bullshit. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Yeah, I didn't say that. That's true. So that's when you guys, I remember that scene. You guys are talking about. Heather never even brought that up in the scene. So you're saying when you said, oh yeah, I did say that, that's true. That was in addition to this the actual conversation which i will show you now you said um he's always had good taste in women but i guess that that's you know that's not true anymore oh my god that's hilarious yeah i did say that that's true so you see the two scenes and the first scene that they were about to send out to the entire world accused me of confirming infidelity which was dubbed over by production heather never said that with me that never happened in the conversation so that means that though heather agreed to go in and vo I don't know exactly what happened, um, but you have to understand they have an archive of every right. word we've ever said, every cadence it. we've ever said it. They can piece it together. So to confirm to anyone that's confused what just happened, the first scene we watched, which I remember, Heather is talking to you and basically says, you said that Chriselle cheated on her husband with Jason. And you then respond, yeah, I did say that. <laughs> yeah, I did say that. <laughs> completely out of context. The, and and it comes off I remember watching it very sinister very like oh fuck okay that's a big allegation to accuse a woman of cheating on her husband we then just watched the original and she's saying to you oh yeah that you had said like you know he used to have really good taste in women maybe not so much anymore and you're like haha yeah that's a summation of everything we've been talking about yeah. like let me be so clear the one they aired is a way better storyline. Thank God. Way Thank better storyline. But this also shows how different you are in that moment where yeah. it's like you're being like a little like, okay, bitchy, like, okay, yeah, he used to have good taste. She, yeah, she I mean, it's hilarious. I was like, like, yeah, he used to have good taste in women until now. And I was like, oh, yeah, I did say that. That's hilarious. You said the initial show at the beginning of this, you mm -hmm. said the initial show was um, supposed to be about badass women empowerment. Do you think the show could have been successful without all the drama i think the show could have been successful without the production company to which it was run by absolutely i think it would have i think it would have, would, would have been so inspirational and i think we could have played along with the drama but when we're working with people telling us what to do how to say even wardrobe notes you know and and you know push up your cleavage and you know wear like I have gotten into so many fights because I wanted – you will never see me, I don't think, in a two-piece bathing, bathing suit ever on the show. I only wear one-piece bathing suits. And that's not because um, I don't feel comfortable. It's just because it's it's my choice and I don't want people criticizing my body. You know, the, whatever I do, I'm always criticized. Like, she's too fat. She's too skinny. She's too fake. She's too this. Like, whatever. And so I wanted to wear a one-piece bathing suit. To which, um, you know, that was even a huge thing. They didn't want me wearing that. They told me to change clothes. And I was like, I'm absolutely not changing my wardrobe. This is what I'm comfortable in. So it was just, it's, it's hard. You really can't win. 
that is fucked up you said you know people are commenting on you do the comments get to you no 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 they used to they used to it was really hard like it was really hard season one was probably the hardest for me um it's like yeah you can receive like so many death threats and go fuck yourself and go kill yourself like like yeah like it's a flood of them and it wasn't even that it's I had stalkers I was harassed people found my address they were sending me letters you know my house was broken into a few weeks ago you know it's just like this is real the comments that were the hardest was after the pregnancy to which they intentionally you know edited in chronological order that wasn't correct so that's what started a whirlwind of press like you know I hope you and your baby go die you shouldn't even be a mother you know you're such a horrible person go kill yourself like it was stuff like that that's the stuff that got to me is like when you're bringing my family into it Mm -hmm. like my family doesn't need to be involved in this people online taking the production to face value of like wow this girl's a fucking crazy bitch and you're like please watch this edit I'm yeah to just show you how yeah. like this is a show it's like you're watching a movie yeah when people almost like confuse when they see like the villain from a movie and they're like you're a bad person and yeah. it's like sweetie that was my line okay and so it's like almost flooding into your real life which must be exhausting yeah. and I I learned that you know in the process of writing my book I said I have to tell my own narrative. And Mm -hmm. if I don't tell my story, someone else will write it for me. And that's why I put the book out. And I said, you want to know everything about me? Here you go. So that was that was me taking my own power back. Yeah. And do I think I'm going to get, you know, uh, slapped with a lawsuit and a letter? (laughs) Sure. Have fun. But my fucking lawyers like you can't afford them. And I have all the money in the world. Christine Quinn. Thank you so much for coming on Caller Daddy, giving us the tea, giving us the behind the scenes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been so much fun. I love you. director's cut for all of you selling sunset junkies i wanted to include some bonus content for your pleasure christine spills all the fucking tea get your fix here enjoy is anyone actually selling homes or like this is a show of like do you guys sell homes do i i personally you do but do people actually sell homes at the company no are you saying that because you're like they can't sell homes or like people but people actually are real estate brokers people are okay believe that people actually are real estate brokers and license it they do they are licensed agents however mary legitimately is selling houses Mm -hmm. and working she has been the hardest worker from day one she really really has jason took her under her wing and her and jason crush it her and Jason crush it they do what is the most manufactured drama you've been involved in for the show the most manufactured drama I've been in for the show was the season the season where this fake storyline comes about where first it's an associate of Christine who contacted a client then it's Christine contacted a client then there's no client 
There's right. there's no receipts. There's nothing of this matter. This didn't happen. I didn't bribe a client. Absolutely not. For $5,000, they think I'm fucking poor. Like literally, like my manicure costs more than that. I'm like, if I'm going to bribe someone, it's not going to be for five fucking thousand dollars. Like what am I, a peasant? Okay, so to give people context, yeah, the storyline is that Christine went behind her other coworkers back and bribed a client 5K to switch from the other coworker to work with her. Which is just ridiculous because you have to look at the timing of this. I had already started my brokerage right my other brokerage so I actually wasn't even working at the Oppenheim group I was working for my brokerage right okay so why would I give money to the cult when I have my own business it all makes sense now you recently started your own real estate group yeah and they needed you to look like because at the end of the season it ends and it looks like you're getting fired right of course to which the scene I had never I didn't even know that scene was happening no one called me to even do that scene so to confirm you never got fired no I never got fired no of course not I terminated my contract on my own free will after um, we launched the brokerage because I can't work I can't be licensed in in two different brokerages so I had to terminate my contract I was like a lot of people keep calling you like a liar and so I was like trying to google shit I'm like what the fuck has she lied about and so I the one thing about the COVID test and everyone's like she lied about COVID I didn't lie I didn't lie about COVID I actually I did test positive for COVID so um two days before the reunion I was feeling like I was feeling really 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 crummy yeah so I got a COVID test from my own doctor because I had a commercial shoot coming up Mm -hmm. to which had been booked for three months so I was like I need to make sure I'm safe like I was ready for the reunion I, I was, saw you I thought you like were posting about like your diamonds and shit like you were, were intending I, to go I, right I was ready I had my dresses ready to go like I like I was so excited for once I actually felt like I could own this reunion like I came with receipts I was ready to right. fuck shit <laughs> up I was ready to disrupt that fucking reunion and serve but I, I felt really, really, really sick. I'm vaccinated, yeah. but I still tested positive. After I tested positive, I, I told them. And, you know, I said, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm I'm positive. I, I'm, I'm sick. I can't come to the reunion. And I sent this message to them at 7 in the morning. And after I sent the message to them at 7 in the morning, I said, I'm so sick. I'm going back to bed. I woke up, I woke up at 4, 3.50. I woke up, I woke up at 3.50 and I was so sick and I was in bed. Um, and then I started feeling better. And I knew that two days later I had this campaign, which I had to do. So they tested me the night before the campaign. I was negative. And then they tested me that morning on set just to make sure I was cleared to go on set. We followed all protocol. It was shot outside. Yeah. We were completely fine. But like I was I was ready to go. Do I think actual resolution would have happened from the reunion? No, absolutely right. not. If you could go back and redo your relationship with one of the women, who would it be? It would be Heather. It would be Heather. Um, Mary and I were, you know, we were close in proximity. Mm-hmm. We lived together. Um, but Heather Heather and I lived together as well. Um, I had a two-bedroom apartment. And um, Mary at the time broke up with her boyfriend. So she was living with me. Her and Romaine were both living with me. And we were having so much fun. Yeah. But Heather and I, you know, we had this really great relationship. And I felt like she was my sister. I knew so much about her in the first, like, 30 minutes sitting down on the couch talking with her than I ever knew about Mary. So I feel like if there's anyone I want to reach out to, it's it's Heather. She seems like a really genuine, amazing person. She is. But the problem is, is, you know, she um, 
she's like a Chick-fil-A waffle fry. You know, she waffles around and, you know, she she's she listens to what other people say. You know, she says this thing, this thing, that thing, you know, and she said um, she did an interview and she's like, I wish Christine would have came to the reunion so we could have hashed that out. And I'm like, honey. I have a phone. I have eight phones, actually. Please. Call me on one of my lines. Like, you, like call me on my landline, my business line, my cell phone. Like, I like call me on any right. phone and we can hash this out. It doesn't have to be done over a reunion, you know? And so I think that's where the girls, like, aren't able to disassociate themselves from the show. Like, mm-hmm. it goes both ways. You can just give me a phone call and I, I would give her a phone call as well. And I think, like, our relationship could be salvaged. I really do because I've – like Heather and I were so close. Yeah. Who has hurt you the most out of the cast? Seashells. Wait, who is Seashells? Seashells. Is that Chriselle? <laughs> seashells. I don't know. I think you're saying Chriselle, but I is that your nickname for her? Yeah, is that everyone. a nickname that everyone yeah. knows? Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't know. That. Yeah. Do they ever say that on the show? No, but I do. No. <laughs> I just feel like she came into the office and immediately, you know, the girls and I, we had no problems, but because, you know, she didn't like me and I was a threat in her mind, um, she turned all the girls against me. And that's really where that came from. Yeah. You guys have like hated each other. And to clarify, that's not just on screen camera beef. Like you guys in real life just don't get along. We, I never see her honestly. Yeah. And I, 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 I don't have any hate or mm-hmm. ill will towards her at all. You know, she's the one who's instigated everything. You know, she does interviews about me all day long. I never even mentioned her name. Like I yeah. even, I even forget. I can't keep up who's, she's dating. It's like first yeah. it's this and then it's that. I can't keep up with the Kardashians, let alone how am I supposed to keep up with all of her relationships. I don't know anything about her, but her and I never talk. She's been very vocal and I don't, I don't do that. I don't throw up people under the bus in in press interviews and talk about them like every interview that I do is is about myself my business my work my goals my aspirations so also and that's what like I remember something happened in the season and someone was like yeah but you did mention me and it's like isn't that your guys job I'm sitting here and asking about these people like people you guys have to talk about the show yeah so you're going to naturally have to comment unless you're like no comment no comment but your guys job is to keep the show's name running and keep it having energy of course um I just have to personally ask you like I was watching with my boyfriend this season he would like walk in it out and it was Chriselle and Jason and my boyfriend walked in and he was like oh that's a fake relationship and I was like what and my boyfriend's a producer and he was like that girl is like disgusted yeah. she like can barely like kiss him like she keeps I know. like she's like immediately it, pulling away it comes off on camera it's like stockholm syndrome it's real it's really bad I and mean, yeah. people on tiktok are like there's zero chemistry absolutely and every time he's like going to touch her she's like i know what she's did like, you think do you think it was fake she's like rubbing her bald head i think it was opportunistic mm-hmm. i think you know it, it was a great storyline mm-hmm. i think that jason did have genuine feelings for her do i think that she had genuine feelings for him no and um but i i have seen jason and i saw a different side of him you know i really really did he seemed happy and in love but it, it was one-sided in my opinion i've only seen them together twice which was once at my broker's event yeah. um, where I was wearing the black dress mm-hmm. um, and even then I could tell she was really uncomfortable you know and she just she didn't she didn't want but Jason like had genuine feelings yeah. to her Jason was like like 
it was kept like I saw the chemistry that Jason, you know, really liked her, like radiated towards her. Do you watch the show? No. You don't? I've only seen seasons one through three. Okay. And then I stopped watching it because I realized what actually happened in real life is not what I'm watching on television. Right. So uh, season four and five, I have my assistant watch and she'll flag me clips and send me over to which I found out about this, you know, fake storyline of the bribery and the fake storyline of this and that. You know, I I can't watch it because I know my reality. I know my truth. I know what we shot. And so I'm comfortable. I can sleep at night knowing what actually really happened. And the rest of the world that watches it, I know people are smart. Yeah. You and your coworker, Emma, dated the same guy at different times. He proposed to her and you claimed he also proposed to you at one point. Your castmate said you lied about being engaged to him. Was that whole storyline made up or is that real that you guys So we were going into season four Mm -hmm. and typically the way that they do it is they bring in a new character every season, like usually Mm -hmm. one or two. So we were getting to a point where actually like we were all getting along. Chriselle and I, you know, know, seemed to have, um, you know, everything was like the air was cleared. We were in a good position. We were in a good spot. All the girls and I were getting along really well. but that's not fun for TV. So they decided to cast someone intentionally to shake things up and have a different storyline. So that storyline was the background of, you know, someone dating my ex. Mm-hmm. And I caught them together. And that was the most horrifying moment of my entire life. He was at my house the night prior. He spent the night Uh, He told me he had to leave and go meet his gardeners. So I said, well, why don't we just go to brunch? Come to brunch. And he's like, no, I can't. I have to meet my gardener. So I said, okay, fine. I'll call another friend. So I called my girlfriend who works at the, I believe, CAA building. Mm -hmm. And there's a cafe there. There's a gym there and everything. So I picked her up because she's an agent. She works there. So I went to go pick her up. We had lunch. Come back, drop her off. And who do I see other than my ex and this girl holding hands. I was in complete shock. I was like, oh, really? I thought you were with the gardeners today. Like, really? It was, I was so shocked and horrified. And um, it was just disgusting. And my friend was just like horrified. And they were walking down the street and he's like, no, no, just just ignore her, just ignore her, just ignore her. So I pulled my car um, next to her car and she rolled up the window and she wouldn't talk to me. But I said, honey, I work at the Oppenheim Group. My email's on the website. My cell phone's on the website. You give me a call. I will show you any receipts you want to see. Last night he was at my house fucking me. Okay? So if you're going to tell me that you didn't know about me, you are a complete liar. You recently started your own real estate group. Yeah. Are you going to be on next season of Selling Sunset? You know, the thing is, is like I love the show and I always want to be a part of a show, period. I love being on television. Um, I don't know what my future looks like in terms of Selling Sunset, but they have reached out to me and want to get creative in in Storyland world. And, you know, I I told them, I made it very clear. I said, um, I filmed last season under the intention that we were going to go along with me starting my own brokerage and you made me look like a fool. You made me look like you made, you know, and it's, it's one thing, like I said, to do things for TV and have fun with it. Mm -hmm. But when you're accusing me 
of criminal misconduct, which is actually a criminal tort, that draws the line for me. That draws the line for me because that's that's not stuff I participate in. Also, that makes you at like that's fucked up for your career as a real estate agent. But people, people, people are smart. Right. People are smart. Right. Like that's on a reality show. Yeah. Like people I know what she's smart. like when she shows up to a fucking listing and yeah. like how she sells a house. People are smart. That's I mean, I can pitch the version of what I think it should be. It should be you have your new agency. Yeah. And naturally, you're going to roll up and see these women at listings and you're going to basically be like, oh, I'm we're basically competing. Yeah. In moments. I mean, that's honestly a better fucking show now. That would be an amazing storyline. Yeah. And like, I want to pull Chelsea to my side. Yep. You know, I want to pull Vanessa to my side, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm excited about that. So whatever that may be, um, you know, everyone's like, would you do the housewives? Would you do this? Would you do that? And I'm like, honestly, I would just love to have my own television show on Hulu and like I have a group of women agents that I've hired. So right. it's, I really started an, an empire and this is just the beginning. And like, I would love to have my own show. One of my last questions also about the production, when you mentioned how basically like fucking wild and corrupt this production process is, do you think it's so toxic that like you would consider for your mental health stepping away from this type of environment? It's it's funny. It's funny. Once the show... Um, once the show stopped and uh you know my brokerage was which we've been working on for a year and a half once we launched that and i terminated my contract with the oppenheim group i mean that's when the toxicity was cut out of my life like i just i have 60 million dollars in listings right now in signed contracts and it was all because I cut them out of my life. And it's like, you are the sum of five. You are the sum of the five people that surround you. And if you have people who aren't rooting for you, who aren't on your side, who aren't on your team, those people are not meant to be in your life. They will bring your de- you they will bring you down. They will wear on your energy and it will affect your business. Yeah. You know, and that's when I realized no matter what I did, no matter what I said, you know, there was a in in um season 3, I realized I can't win. Yeah. There was a time where I was actually talking about Mary in a scene and I I watched my mouth say Amanda and I didn't say Amanda. And that's when I was like, what Wizard of Oz shit am I up against? Even the office scene when Mary got promoted, that was the best day we ever had together. We were so excited. We had so much fun. Right. And it didn't happen that way on camera. Like we were all hugging each other. I was like, oh my God, Mary, I'm so happy for you. We were all getting along. It was great. But the producers told me to keep walking out of the office. I I walked out of the office probably like 16 times. And they were like, no, no smile, no wave, no smile, no wave. But like we're we're prisoners. Right. We, We can't leave until like they get what they want. And so they just needed a shot of me walking out of the office, not smiling, not looking back at anyone. And I just was like, I just want to go home. I don't want to be here for four hours walking in and out of the office. So that was actually like a really fun day. And they edited it out to make it look like I was just, even if you don't say something, it's edited down to an eye roll. But all reality television is not like this. It's just this production company is a monster. (laughs) 
This episode is brought to you by DoorDash. Want $0 delivery fees? Try Dash Pass by DoorDash. Daddy gang, I love being home. I love to be cozy, comfortable, laying on the couch. I can't tell you how many times I need something, but I am too lazy to get up and get out of the house. And sometimes I need food or groceries, you name it. Dash Pass gets it delivered right to my door and yours too. It is only $9.99 a month. So I think it's a really good deal, Daddy Gang. So get $0 delivery fees on eligible orders with Dash Pass and new members get a 30-day free trial. Terms apply. Sign up today. 